This is Birth Confidential with TJ. Thanks so much for checking out Birth Confidential. Hopefully you've enjoyed the episode so far. And if you have, please rate and review them. It helps other parents find these episodes and maybe it can help them out too. I know it's a very specialized podcast, so anything helps. (laughs) This week's episode is with Molly and it's really emotional. Molly tells a story about going to a fertility clinic and then figuring out they were botching her IUIs. In fact, she has an ongoing case with this fertility clinic. And then it just all kind of went downhill from there. But Molly's story does have a happy ending. Here's Birth Confidential. I've been married five years to Stephen. And we met December, the December I moved to Nashville. I moved here in March. And that December, I was on a flight to Las Vegas for work. And it was Southwest, so it's open seating, you know, and, and I go and I, I look and I had a, a big carry-on bag because I was there for like three weeks at a time and there was no overhead space, but I saw this guy and he looked nice. I, um, I looked for overhead space and there wasn't any, so I kept going down the aisle and I finally found overhead bin space and I throw my bag up there and I look at the seat of who I'm going to be sitting next to. And it's a a precious mom and a little baby. And I was like, not for four hours. I I didn't want to like put that pressure on the mom, you know, like it may be terrorizing anybody. So I turned around and went back to that seat and I said, can I sit here? I'm not much of a talker to strangers, but my husband is. And we started talking and we kept talking and, you know, we, four hour flight, I'm in the middle seat, you know? And so <laughs> we talked the whole time. Both came back to Nashville. He lived here too. And, um, we started dating and, um, we got married. Yeah. He was not a creep. Luckily. <laughs> That's like every single girl's dream getting on a flight. Like what cute boy am I going to sit next to and hit it off with? Yeah. You know, I knew there was an age difference, uh, cause he has kids that were in high school and I didn't have any. And I was like, I don't know if he's flirting with me, but I'm, you know, I'm just going to be his friend, you know, and then never know. So we were married a couple years before we decided, you know, now's a really good time to try to have a baby. And I never thought, I never knew there was a world of um, infertility. Yeah. And I should have because for several years, I was very, very sick and in and out of hospitals and clinics and going to the Mayo Clinic and, you know, all those things. And you would have thought I would have noticed, but I guess I was just so in my own world. I just, I was just trying to survive, you know, so in, in, I was in Auburn, Alabama after school. I stayed there and the healthcare there, um, there, there are a few good doctors, but I was, I was a complex situation. (laughs) I went to Minneapolis, um, not Minneapolis. Um, Rochester. Uh, thank you. I've been to Mayo, yeah. And um, unfortunately, you know, there were a lot of factors in place that, that played into us leading to a clinic. And I just thought, you know, we'll take some medicine and it'll be better. Again, like super naive. And um, things just weren't happening. It wasn't, it wasn't working. And I kept meticulous notes and I had spreadsheets and just everything because I'm a professional patient. <laughs> yeah. And I can't tell you how glad I am that I did that. 
because I, when they tried a few IUIs and they didn't work, um, they really pushed us strong towards IVF. What is an IUI if someone doesn't know? I certainly didn't know. Intrauterine insemination. So it's, you know, it's your own biological pieces. They just kind of put the timing and everything together. And to do that, like they give you like a um, Femora or that kind of medication to help you make sure you ovulate. And then there's an ovulation trigger drug still. And instead of retrieving any eggs, um, they hopefully fertilize them. And one of the the metrics I was keeping up with was like the, um, the thickness of your uterine lining. I I like it to be like eight or so for the IUI to work. And I kept noticing like mine would never get past seven. And I was like, well, what is that? And I would ask questions and they say, well, you just need to eat more um, like whole grains and all that kind of stuff will help you. And so they kind of made it feel like it was my, my problem. And I believed them. And so I tell you what, I have never eaten more whole grains in my life. Like, oh, gosh. It was like six servings of whole grains a day, just like really trying hard. Oh, my gosh. Yes, so many grains. And that in itself will cause all kinds of issues, too. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. No, it, it's like, oh, is that implantation feeling or is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like because I'm eating all the grain. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, this is an adventure. Um, but it was, it wasn't getting any better. And, you know, my, like my numbers just were kind of hovering. And so something deep in me said, pump the brakes as much as badly as I wanted this baby and cried for this baby and just, you know, just ached, ached for it. I said, um, something's not right. And, uh, my husband and I were in the middle of buying a house, um, and renovating it. So we were in a little apartment in Brentwood. And I remember sitting in the, at my desk there and printing off all the paperwork and just having a breakdown, which I don't, I don't, I'm not easily rattled. And I remember I just curled up in a ball and I said, I don't want to do this. And he said, then don't. And I, um, I called other clinics and I got my records. I said, I just, I need to talk to someone else. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, so we went to the second clinic and the doctor right out the gate was like, the medication you were taking at that dosage is known to thin linings. This is why you were hovering at a seven was the medication you were being given. Wow. It only took one different doctor to figure it out. It did. And I said, well, you know, I was told if I didn't take that medication, then there was nothing left I can do. And she goes, oh no, we're just going to give you an injection instead. And I said, well, they, they did mention that, but they said it cost the same amount as IVF drugs. And she, she has, it's like 80 bucks. Oh my gosh. And I, I said, um, I said, oh, okay. And I have to attend a class to learn how to inject it, right? That's what I was told. And they were like, no, we're going to show you how to do it right now. And we're going to give you a link to a YouTube video. Like, you don't have to pay for it. And I was like, I, I was supposed to pay for this class to learn how to give myself injections. And like, I used to give myself injections weekly. And I told the first clinic that I'm like, I don't need to be taught. Just show me once I got it. So we left just energized and we cried happy tears of just hope. Yeah. You know, we had been told like, oh, you don't really have that many eggs. They're not looking good. They were like, oh, you got plenty. This is, you're in great shape. This is really promising. How did you find this first fertility clinic? Um, <laughs> Through what? Google? Yeah. Well, and I had two friends that had gone there 
and I never told either of them, you know, my experience, um, of what happened because it's, it's just, um, you know, I know, and, and just sharing my story here is I feel like I'm doing something to help someone else who might potentially be in my situation one day, you know, to, yeah, because they wear a white coat does not mean they've got it all. I've had them shrug their shoulders at me when I asked specific questions. They never answered me directly, you know, and um, there was just a lot of discrepancies I noticed. So we got the shot. We ordered the shot for $80 and it came in. We lined everything up. I went for the IUI and they did everything. And she said, okay, you can get up. And I was like, well, like after 15 minutes, right? That's what I've always done. I've always been told it's 15 minutes. And she's no you're good to go now. I said, I'm going to trust. Everything has been good. My lining was an 11. Wow. Previously never gotten to an eight. It was 11. And I I thought this, this doctor knows what's up. Yeah. And we left and I just literally just like that, just had a sigh of relief. So how long had you been at that previous fertility clinic? Seven months. It took one $80 shot and one IUI and we were pregnant. Holy cow. So after going to this new place, did you look back at the other place and like try to, I don't know, like leave reviews or report them or see if it had happened to anyone else? Or were you just like, I'm, I don't even want to deal with this emotionally anymore because for seven months you had gone through all of that already. I um, legally took, I'm in the middle of reporting it to the board, the medical board. I'm not suing them or anything. That to me has no benefit having the clinic reviewed and held accountable and, um, and maybe they just need training, but the dollar amount we lost, I had, luckily I had wonderful insurance. Um, the dollar amount I lost is not worth, you know, recovering in court, but I'm willing to spend a little bit more to at least do my part to know that maybe one other person wouldn't suffer like I did. That's awesome. Good for you for doing something to hold them accountable because they should. Yes. Is crazy, honestly. If I were in the medical field, I would constantly be learning. You know, yeah. I mean, this other doctor we went to that we had success with, they knew. Yeah. They knew what worked, what didn't. It's just unfortunate. And I, I know, luckily, I mean, like I mentioned, I had great insurance, but the potential that we would have paid out of pocket was around $25,000. And because wow. I pumped the brakes and said, hold on. And I put pieces together, you know, we saved that, we saved ourselves, but the turmoil and the, you know, the, the angst it was already causing, which isn't good for your body anyway. Yeah. uh, It was, um, it was worth it to hold. Definitely. And your intuition will never fail you. Yes, you're exactly right. And I, I feel like I have to take action too, because not everyone goes to the clinic has been through what I have medically to recognize things. Yeah. And you know, all those years I spent in and out of clinics and hospitals, like that taught me something and uh, wasn't all in vain. Yeah. That's a good point too. Maybe somebody doesn't even realize that that's going on and then they can listen to this and be like, well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should try something else. We went in for our IUI January 4th of 2020. And then shortly thereafter, the, the clinic had to shut down temporarily because it's technically, I guess, considered a, um, not optional, but, um, like a voluntary 
type Oops. procedure, even though it's fully a medical. They had to pause all of that stuff. And so people's IVF, that was on hold for months. Wow, y'all just, just, just made it in. Yes. And then he was, um, he was born on 9-11 <laughs> oh in the middle of a pandemic. Wow. And I was even induced. And I told them, you know, when they scheduled it, I was like, all right, if you induce me on 9-9, you better get him out on 9-10. Seriously. I love a great story. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Because I'm a little bit, um, a, a bit of a party planner. I love to host and see people where I'm starting planning for his first birthday. And there's a little lighthouse icon we're using. Um, cause he's our little beacon of hope. Oh, I love that. Now you guys are pregnant and the pandemic starts. Was your husband able to go to doctor's appointments with you? He was able to go to the emergency room the night we thought we miscarried. The January, um, we just start February. I had just told my boss, you know, what had been going on and cause she knew something was up, but not, you know, the extent of everything. And I was like, we're having a baby. And, uh, and before I even got to 13 weeks, you know, I, um, I was at work and it just started heavily bleeding. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this. You know, we worked so hard and we overcame so much and I'm just, I'm flipping out. And so I just grabbed my stuff and I said, I'm going to the hospital and I left. And, um, we went to, to Vanderbilt here around, just around the corner from our house. They were still letting everyone have one visitor and just thankfully he, he was able to be there with me and, um, they could see a heartbeat once they finally got us back and, um, you know, everything was good. Uh, apparently it's very common to have some hemorrhaging when the baby attaches initially. No one told me this. (laughs) I don't know that. Of course, then like you tell somebody that and then it happens to them and they don't, they can't tell the difference anyway. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's better to go. Yeah. Get it checked. Any kind of bleeding checked out. out. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I barely got my car in park. Like I left it running through my keys at the valet. I was like, I don't care what you <laughs> I know. Yeah. I it's know. yours. Congratulations. You've got a new car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like Oprah, you know, here you go. This is your gift. But yeah. did not even care. I was like, I don't whatever, you know, in those moments, you just, so much goes through your mind and every nurse, every doctor I saw, they were so comforting and encouraging and positive. And I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, we just, we were just like, okay, that would be the, hopefully the end of our baby drama. And of course it was not. And, you know, we were, you know, had a big, heavy sigh of relief for that. And then we went to our first planned OB appointment and they do an ultrasound then. And, um, my OB brought me back after they did the ultrasound and uh, my husband was with us then too. And, uh, she said, you know, it, it could be nothing. Um, uh, there is a large amount of fluid around the baby's heart. And we were like, well, what is, what does that mean? She said, well, we're going to run blood because it could be neuroanemic or, um, you know, he could have a fatal heart defect. I thought, you know, just, you, you fight so hard for something. And you think just after that fight, you're going to get some relief, you know, and, and that hits you. And it's like such a punch in the gut. 
And uh, she said, we'll do a follow-up ultrasound in, in 10 days. And if it's still there, we'll refer you to a maternal fetal specialist. And uh, we went back 10 days later. And Those 10 days you're waiting to go to a specialist. What are you doing? Prayed. Yeah. Begged. You know, I, I just, I loved the little baby so much already. And yeah. I didn't Google for sure. I did not Google it. It's great advice. Don't Google Google it. Um, I tried to stay calm, you know, because I know the baby could feel everything I felt. And I just, uh, I just like, you know, just hold on, just hold on, please. Just begged, begged God, begged, begged the baby, you know, begged anything. Just spare us this. Did most people know that you were expecting at this point? Some. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't post any of the medical stuff on social media at all. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want unsolicited advice. I didn't want the, you know, typical, it's going to be okay. You know, because. In that moment, that's not what you want to hear. No. And and I'm like, do you have a crystal ball? Do you know it's going to be okay? Because I won't be okay if I lose this child, you know, I just eventually, you, you know, you live, I've lived through loss, but nothing like what I felt there. Yeah. And, uh, just told a couple people and, you know, my, my boss, of course, cause she, you know, she, I call her my boss. She's, she's like a mentor. She's fantastic. And, uh, she just gave me nothing but love and support and Hey, if you're feeling tired, you know, just, go home and work and we're not. Yeah. That's awesome. Very, That's important. Yes. She's amazing. So we, you know, we just held on and there were many days when I was sick, you know, 10 years ago that I'd wake up in the morning and just not know how I was going to make it through the day through pain and side effects from medication and feeling alone and all of that. And it was a lot of that trauma coming back. Mm-hmm. But I knew I've done this before. I've done hard before. I can do it now. I know it's for, it's for our little, we call them baby Tic Tac. Um, and it was for Tic Tac and uh, kept it together the best I could going to a corporate job and sitting there all day in meetings and sending emails and you just try to not break down in your queue when you have a minute yeah. by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the second visit came and went and um, I had a hard time getting the results, but I finally did. And they said, you know, yeah, the fluid's still there. So we're going to send you to maternal fetal specialist. And it was like, okay, you know, we're, we're in it. And I had already prepared to, go to, you know, special hospitals that specialized in this, if Vanderbilt couldn't handle it, I was like, we'll relocate temporarily and, you know, whatever it takes, yeah. we'll just, we'll get them the best care we can. And, um, which we thought it was a girl at the time because girls are dramatic, you know, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a girl. Um, oh yeah. That's definitely true with my daughter. So much drama from the second she was conceived, just drama. You get me, you get me. So we went to the specialist and my husband was able to go to that first visit only. And they spent a lot of time with us. 
And I thought, this can't be good. And they took us in this little room and, you know, everyone's got masks on. So you can't really see someone's full expression. And yeah. just like, you know, I remember from the emergency room, I was like, your mask is going to get soggy and then you're going to, you know, so I just, they had <laughs> tissues there and I'm just like trying to just wait. And, um, and doctor looked at us and said, I, I don't know why you're here. Everything looks fine. And we were like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't imagine the feeling, the weight that must have lifted in that moment where the doctor's like, you're yeah. fine. I was like, do you have the right chart? Like that's something that would happen to me. It'd be like a Steve Harvey moment. Like you yeah. won the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like don't Steve Harvey me. <laughs> I know. And she's like. The only thing I noticed is that it's really small, you know, for your gestation. I can't say that word. I was like, oh, okay. Well, small's okay, right? She said, yeah, as long as it doesn't get like in the second percentile, you're in like the 15th right now. And I said, okay. So she said, we want you back a couple more times just to be sure everything's good, you know, and we'll watch his weight. And so there's no more fluid around his, the heart. He didn't see it. So we don't know if it cleared up or if there were shadows. Yeah. On the first two. We don't know. Wow. So all this unnecessary, about- scary stuff that's happening to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. I'm sorry. It was. A roller coaster and you know we were like well as long as he's fine you know we can pretty much handle anything else and you know we um we were very grateful that the heart was no longer the main concern that his weight was and um which I mean like I'm I'm an athlete so I don't know if that had something to do with it I did stop exercising once I found out I was pregnant because I am in a high impact sport and did not want to you know, jar the baby around. Yeah. So I took a break from that until today, actually. Um, What sport do you play? So I'm actually a competitive figure skater. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. It's fun. It's, it's a good thing to learn, which is what my parents, their intention was when they put me in it as a kid. And then I was like, I'm obsessed. And they're like, of course, of course. Like one sport is cold. It's expensive. Yeah, of course you like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So when did you start skating? I was in, it was like Christmas break in fourth, fourth or fifth grade. Wow. And you just always still did it, huh? I had to stop when I was sick. And, um, and then I had to, you know, kind of come back slowly after that because it's, it's a really tough sport. Um, yeah, I can't imagine I, those spins and jumps and wow. Yeah, and I actually I have um, nerve damage in the right side of my body from um, encephalitis and paralysis. Oh. So when I came back and tried to spin, my brain was like freaking out. So well, that's awesome that you saw that you went and skated today. Yes. Oh, did you just feel I, amazing? I did. I yeah, it it felt. Well, mostly good. <laughs> yeah, because getting back it's, into it, it's a little slow. Like any kind of exercise. 
Yeah, for sure. I worked with a, um, a trainer who specializes in getting moms back to sport. And, uh, I was glad I did that month long training because, um, otherwise I don't, I don't think I would have made it. <laughs> yeah. That's cool that so, they have that. I didn't even know they had trainers like that. Yeah. And she does all sports and I was like, maybe you can help me. So she did. And I'm grateful for that too. Um, so any moms that are listening and need that kind of special feel, those people are out there. I also did not know that either. Um, yeah. definitely worth the time. So, so the baby is small and then mm -hmm. was that any cause for concern at that point? They wanted to keep an eye on him and we knew the gender at 10 weeks because with the heart stuff, they wanted to do mm -hmm. like a genetic panel. So with the day we came home from work to work from home for the next foreseeable future, like we just opened the email together and read it ourselves. And uh, it was like, it's a boy. And, uh, and I laughed because I helped raise two nephews. I have two stepsons. It's like, of course it's a boy. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No change. I'm going to do this. So we kept going back to the clinic to check on him. Oh, I went back to the clinic. My husband couldn't go. And um, for a while, he was hovering like 15th, 17th percentile. And then at, I was like 34 and a half weeks, I went in and or it was a Friday before my baby shower. And they brought me back in the room and it was very, uh, it was digital. So I didn't even have the doctor in there, but they had me in the clinic still. And she called me and I could see her and she was like, so he's essentially stopped growing. They said a lot more eloquently and softly than this, but he needs to be born at 37 weeks. We know with intrauterine growth restrictions that if we go to full term, there's more chance for complications and delivery. It's just kind of like counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, so you need to be born at 37 weeks. And I was like, so like 12 days, 12 days from now. Gosh. Is there any reason why babies stop growing? The cause is unknown. I was like, well, what if I just treat muscle milk? Can we put them out to like 39 weeks? <laughs> he doesn't need like muscles, Molly. He's like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, 12 days. Oh, oh, we don't even have a crib. Yeah. And uh, we were just like, oh, okay, we can do this. We can do this. And um, I said, just out of curiosity, what percentile is he in? And she was like, well, I wasn't going to tell you because, you know, I first scared you, but he's in less than two percentile now. And I was like, I get it. Like, this is serious. All right. Let's rock and roll. You know? So I, um, go outside of the car and I call my husband and, uh, the clinic was coincidentally right next to the rink. And I was like, man, if I could just get on the ice for like 30 minutes before I called him, I would be so much more <laughs> relieved, yeah. but I couldn't worse. And, um, I called him and I was like, well, we better get that nursery ready. Cause he's coming. And he was like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you just went to an appointment and you call and you're like, we're having a baby. How did he feel not being able to go to any of the appointments for his baby also? I think he hit a lot of, the anxiety to not stress me out. Yeah. Um, they normally say like no recording, no FaceTime, no phone calls, but they let me record his heartbeat because we were having ultrasounds every two weeks and then every one week. Um, yeah. So where most people see their like, 
um, two scans unless they do the additional like 40. We had probably close to a dozen scans. Uh, so we had a lot of pictures and videos and, you know, he didn't say much, but he would ask a lot of questions and he would, you know, comfort me. And typically my ritual was I'd bring home burritos for us. Yeah. <laughs> we Over, you know, our burritos, we would just kind of sniffle and talk about it and just prepare the best we could. But it, I know, I know he had to feel left out and, you know, getting back in the car and just making that call. And it was, it was very, again, like traumatic from my days at Mayo Clinic where I was alone and just trying to navigate by myself and advocate for myself. And it was, it was a lot of that. Um, I have a really great counselor who, (laughs) she threw a lot of tears, you know, and yeah. And gave me a lot of strength and reminded me I was brave. Yeah. I could do it, you know, but it was, it was really tough. That's really good that you had that person. Finding a good counselor oh, is yeah. important. It is for so many reasons. It's, it's good. So I would tell myself, you know, you've got this, you're brave. And, you know, my support system, again, my boss and my coworker are, they're like family mm-hmm. to me. And I have them to, to chat with during the days too, between projects, we would chat. And now you're throwing everything together at this point. Your shower was coming up, wasn't it? Yeah. So I had to tell everybody at the shower, you know, what was going on. And it was hard to get the words out, you know, because um, they said, you know, he's, he's barely four pounds. Um, so, you know, mm. we're likely to go to the NICU immediately. And, yeah. um, you know, I feel like, Sometimes things just come together in ways that you can't imagine to support. And when we bought this house, my husband found out that the neighbor directly across the street was one of his first friends when he moved to Nashville 25 years ago. When we said, hey, we're going to be gone for a little while. Will you watch the house? You know, my husband explained about the baby and, you know, the concern for the NICU. And he said, "Um, my wife is the head nurse practitioner in the NICU at the hospital you're delivering at. So we'll make sure to give you, you know, the best care that they wouldn't have anyway. And what are I, in that moment, I seriously, right. And it was just like one of those things where you're like, okay, this already scary, you know, but knowing someone, you know, was going to be receiving your tiny four pound baby was a huge comfort, even though, there was no science behind it. I did drink the muscle milk. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do what makes you feel good. Because they said under five pounds, like definitely NICU. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get into five pounds. Yeah. And, and I did. I was so proud. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it was the muscle yeah, milk. He, he still had to go. It was. I was like, he, <laughs> this is not medical advice. But I was, I was proud. But he, he did have to go to the NICU, but um, he didn't want to come out. I mean, he was like, no, I'm comfortable in here. I get, I get a lot of burritos lately. So I'm just going to stay put. As I I mentioned, I was, I was induced on nine, nine. And I kept asking, I was like, all right, are we on target for nine, 10? And they're like, yeah. And then everything stalled out. There was nothing they could do to move things along because all my numbers looked right. It was just, nothing was progressing. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So all day on like nine ten, I'm getting texts because everyone expects him to be here. They're like, "Where is he? Where is he?" And I'm like, yeah. he, "He's not here." 
And I kept counting down. I'm like, all right, guys, we got eight hours. Let's go. Let's get this baby. And they're like, we can't do anything more. And I was, I finally just had to let go of it. He's going to do what he wants to do. And he did. And around midnight, of course, um, I was like, I think we're about, we're about ready. And uh, the nurse was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm calling the doctor. I'm calling your doctor. Did do the epidural uh, for a number of reasons. And I'm very glad I did. Uh, it did, it did affect my heart and blood pressure. It kept trying to crash. So once I got kind of came back to you from that, um, you know, and he had been born and they, they took him pretty much immediately and you know, they showed him yeah. to me and they could tell he wasn't breathing well. So they weighed him real quick and told me I met my goal. And I was like, yeah, this pump. Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. it was 201 AM and they whisked him away. And I knew that he was in good hands. And, uh, I just thought, you know, this is the start. He, things just can't not keep escalating. You know, this is kind of his debut. If it's going to be yeah. good now. <laughs> I finally at about eight o'clock that morning. So he was about six hours old. I went to the NICU and, um, I was walking past him. I didn't know, you know, really what he looked like or, and I was like, Oh, that's a cute little one. They're like, Oh, that's one. That one's yours. <laughs> Well, at least that was your, their first instinct. Yeah, I was like, oh, you. you know, I said, oh my goodness. And he turned his little head towards me. And the nurse said, that's the first time he's moved since Aww. he came down. And he was looking for me. Like he, he was only in the NICU for like a day and a half. I guess the blessing of the coronavirus was I got to stay home and work from home. Even when I went back to work, because everything was still shut down. And so I saw him really start to blossom and bloom and things I would have missed out on because, you know, when I was about to go back to work, he wasn't really doing much, but because I stayed home and worked, I saw all of this and I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's growing so quickly. And I can't tell you how many times I cried about this. I was like, I love my job. I love my family there. I mean, they are my family. Yeah. But I can't leave him. And my husband was like, then don't again, then don't. Those are his, like his words, you know? <laughs> I love your husband's advice. It's great. Yeah. Like it. And me too. Two words. He that's says, all. Then don't. Yeah. I'm going to tell him that I never put that together until we, we chatted. Um, and so I ended up deciding to start my own company so I could have flexible hours and still work. Um, because if I don't have my creative outlet, it's like, yeah. I would be making like life-size giraffe paper mache puppets or something <laughs> like you just, yeah. you never know what you're going to get with me. What kind of company did you start? So I'm a designer and I do industrial design and product design and brand design and development. So it's just a creative company consulting in really anything creative. Someone needs help brands, um, kind of redefine themselves. I've helped brands start from the ground up and have like a visual identity and um, product that matches their brand and their, uh, their look and feel. So it's just like a all in one stop shop. I can source stuff. I've designed apparel and imported it from overseas. I've designed exhibits and, and retail stores. So good for you. A lot of people, moms that I've been talking to are like, the best part about the pandemic is that, you know, we didn't have to put our kid in daycare and we get to work from home. So all that time that like, you just can't get it back. I love that you did that. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. 
Are you so happy? I am. Everybody that I've told, even my work family, they're they're supportive and excited. And I told him, I said, maybe I'll come back one day, you know, when he's in school and yeah. and all. But right now, these are, you know, corporate's always going to be there. Yeah. Jobs are always going to be there. This little baby, you know, pulling to stand for the first time and you're making words instead of fart noises, you know, that's, I don't want to miss How's his health now? Is he just okay? The only issue we've had was an inguinal hernia that had to be surgically repaired. Mm-hmm. Super quick surgery. Um, yeah. And he, he had that, I think he was about six, seven weeks old when he had that. And he, great. I cried more than he did. Uh, <laughs> As we do. He's still tiny, almost eight and a half months old. And he <laughs> his, can kind of wear six month clothing. But oh, zero to yeah. three is still what fits him best. He, and he clings to me. Like when I hold him, he clings to me. And he's like, my friend was like, oh, he's like a tiny koala bear. Yeah, <laughs> cute. But he's, he hits all the developmental milestones. Like he rolled over on time, which I was surprised because he screamed during tummy time. So of course I didn't make him do it. He sits up on his own. He's crawling, you know, so, I appreciate you shedding light on this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's not only from the pandemic, but just, um, you know, from someone who, you know, I didn't know what infertility was or IUIs or IVF and, you know, all of these terms and people don't know. And it's so important to share your story. I don't, again, I don't do it on social media. Um, Not really feel led to do it. But I do feel like it's important for people to share their story when where they can. And it's, it's healing, you know, hopefully someone is encouraged and hopefully someone is like something that they've heard through one of your many podcasts helps them. And I think that's, that's really priceless. So thank you for doing what you're doing and, and helping people. I feel like there's, um, it's just, it's a big blessing. Thank you for saying that. I hope that it does help people. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.